You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Welcome, welcome everybody. This is episode four of season two of Cards and Cubes. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Trevor. I'm Christo. And today we're going to be talking about Catan Killers. Uh... This topic was brought on. Hristo approached me and said, I've just been really, really wanting to play Settlers of Catan, like all of it. And I said, no, Hristo, don't give in. We can't do that. That's not who you are anymore. You're you're better than that. I was like, but we have to go back to basics, you know, just like relive the old times, the good times. Yeah, yeah. Hristo's always wanting to to rehash the old games. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that totally happened, by the way. We're just going to move on. No, no yeah. questions, please. Um, yeah, actually, this what this topic, though, was proposed by Hristo. So, Hristo, I'll let you just kind of talk about what brought this on. Uh, the first thing that brought this on was I played a lot of games recently, which were very similar to Catan in some ways that we can talk about when we kind of introduce it. But uh, also, I, as a result of that, maybe, or I was just looking at stuff online, uh, I randomly saw a video posted by another famous kind of reviewer, and they were recommending Catan replacements. And their Catan replacements, in my opinion, were like not great games. When I think of Catan replacements, I think of kind of like your second game that you've ever played because I think everyone kind of started with Catan maybe, or it's one of the first games that they ever played. So like, you're probably not gonna jump from Catan to like Lishboa or something, you know? So uh, they were recommending some really complex games in my opinion and games like which didn't kind of, didn't really match the mechanisms of Catan and the complexity of Catan. And I understand that they're a step up obviously, but I think there's more kind of appropriate games to go into board gaming from from Catan than that. So but, that's but that's Catan has so much depth um, and complexity. Actually, no, I was gonna say actually it's not terrible. Like I mean it's a that it's a still a decent game for like twenty five years later, I guess. Twenty seven years later actually. Yeah, there's crazy. a reason it's still popular. And people still play it and that's fine. Um it's just twenty seven years old. And so for some games that's actually fine. For Catan I think it's kind of not so fine really. Yeah. And to be clear, I don't think I'll just get this out of the way. I don't think Catan is a bad game. I just kind of have moved on, you know? Yeah, Just yeah. not really interested in it anymore. And I should say, actually, the base Catan, I think, is kind of really old now. But with the expansions over the years, they've kind of plugged in kind of new ideas, new mechanics, while still kind of keeping it very straightforward and simple and true to the original formula. But I think Cities and Knights makes it a better game. Seafarers makes it a better game. Both of them make it a better game. I haven't tried the new Starship Catan or something that was in space. The Star, white Starfares or something? Starfares of Catan, yeah. I, I actually heard that. I thought it was just a remake, like visual remake, but I heard it has new mechanics or something. I don't know. I need to find someone who actually has it because I've only seen it on store shelves. I just I don't even, uh, I guess, hang out with the people that play Catan, unfortunately. So, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the joke that comes to mind is you polish a turd, it's still a turd. <laughs> but no, that, I mean, that's not a turd. It's, like I say, it's just it's, not my not it, my speed anymore. Yeah, it's it's a fine game. It's just kind of old. So yeah, anyway, that's kind of uh, how 
I came upon the idea. Oh, however, Trevor completely hates the. Uh, apparently, it's uh, <laughs> kind of funny. I was I was trying to find what unifies the, those games under uh, Board Game Geek, with like what kind of uh, category unifies them, and I think the best one is probably Random Production, which is kind of absolutely hilarious, actually. But I kind of agree, and that does unify them. Um, I think some games are actually missing from the Random Production list, like All oh My Goods and stuff, but. Uh, Basically, Trevor was telling me how how much he adores that me- mechanism of games. <laughs> yeah. So uh, today we're going to be going through kind of our top five games of what we're coining uh, Catan Killers. Christo's list is going to be maybe a little more literal than my list. I think you are going to kind of talk about some games that are direct replacements yep, they for, for that kind of thing. Random production, exactly like yeah. Catan. <laughs> Yeah, and my list is, I, I sat there and thought about, well, what is it that you're doing in Catan that you might enjoy in other games that I think do those things better? And so my list is more of a, well, if you think you might like Catan, stop. And don't play put it. Put that down. <laughs> Come over here and try this game instead. Uh, so my my list is going to be a little more creative uh, than Hristo. And as Hristo mentioned, I I don't really enjoy the whole random resource production element of Catan. That's like the part I dislike the most. And uh, surprise, surprise, I actually haven't played many games with that in it because I just don't enjoy it. Um, and so. Spoiler alert, my uh, my games are not going to have that kind of random uh, resource production. You know, rolling a die and picking up, uh, picking up whatever the number tells you to pick up. Although we did talk about a little bit before this, I was I mentioned that we we had recently played the game Flotilla, which sort of has that, but I don't think that the rest of that game is an appropriate. Catan replacement. <laughs> yeah, the games I'm going to talk about, they're very simple. Like I say, you probably shouldn't go to Flotilla, especially Flotilla has like so so many convoluted other things other than the resource production. And it has custom dice also for the resource production. All my games basically use standard D6s, and that's kind of a right. big deal. So it's uh, Flotilla is a much more of a very kind of complex, I'd say more like an economic game than uh the lightweight, lighthearted, Catan-like games that I have. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah, there are other games, so Trevor's going to get creative, I guess, with what he's put on his list. Yeah, you're you're so excited, I can tell. Uh, actually, I am kind of excited. I'm kind of curious what you came up with, because, like, yeah, I don't know what I would come up with if I didn't have my games. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, fear not, Risto. I will tell you what you can replace your games of Catan with. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, should we just go into it? Yeah, you go ahead and you lead with the uh, standard stuff, and then I'll follow up with some creativity. Uh, yeah, also I should mention um, when we talk about Catan games, I've thought about that mechanic of producing resources by rolling dice in general, and I think it also kind of is has a betting element, like you're 
kind of placing your bets when you pick your first two houses in Catan, for example, or a lot of these games or whatever, you're placing bets throughout the game of what numbers will be rolled and you receive payouts basically according to those bets. So I was just kind of thinking they're very similar to actually like casino craps or something, or, you know, just like a betting game, like you bet on dice outcomes. So that's uh, very interesting that I don't think anyone in BGG has put any like betting type categories on top of those games which is weird i guess dice rolling kind of covers all that in some general form but anyway uh so my fire number five is actually Machikoro. I played Machikoro recently. There's also Machikoro 2. And I actually played Machikoro 2, so that was nice. That I played that recently, and I played the original Machikoro a long time ago. Apparently, there's also Machikoro Legacy now. So I was just going to ask if you played that. No, actually, I, they had it set up when we played Machikoro 2 because it was like a Machikoro night or something. Uh, so we had 1, 2, and Legacy, and I asked, what is the point? Because Legacy games, you tear things up and you destroy them and you can't play just one game. But uh, the person who set it up said, you can just play kind of one mission or something and it's not a destructive legacy game so you can just it's like a scenario basically so you can kind of pick a scenario and play it if you feel adventurous and i think it's replayable from what i heard so uh machikoro um what is the game in a nutshell you are building some kind of japanese city maybe it's even tokyo or something i don't know you're just building a city thematically you are rolling dice. That's a very common theme. Um, and I think you start with some kind of initial properties or you can buy initial properties or something and you start rolling just 1d6, so just like a regular six-sided die. But then I think, gosh, it's actually been a while. I can't remember how it goes, but basically you kind of buy, you, you're rolling to get usually money, like currency to buy better cards with. And the more cards you buy, I think eventually you can actually, oh, you can just decide to roll two dice. That's it. Um, however, at the beginning of the game, you have no benefit of rolling two dice. So you should probably just roll one because you have cards with numbers just roll uh, lower than six. But if you acquire a card with a higher number, you can roll two dice now and hope to roll that number because no one else gets anything on that number if they don't don't have a, a card with that number because i think everyone gets um some kind of production off of your number that you rolled uh generally there's some card effects obviously and stuff but uh so the the whole point of the game i think is to buy cards that are kind of other people don't have and hope to roll those numbers so they don't get production uh what kind of takes this game down for me significantly is in the card effects which you activate by rolling dice there are a lot of take that mechanics actually and they're just kind of pretty much straightforward take that like uh there's a lot of cards that are just like oh steal two dollars from anyone or something or i think they might have conditions or something like a person with that type of card or something but they're just like straight up take that effect not even through the game board or something so you're just like stealing money from people um i think that the point of that is to kind of mitigate luck and if someone's running away with the game to kind of slow them down but to me is just kind of kind of cheapens the game um it is a very straightforward game though and uh, generally 
I have an okay time playing it. It's just kind of like the dice rolling plus heavy take that. It's just kind of a random soup of whatever happens happens to me. And the experience actually is not super unpleasant overall. Um, generally, it's like a decent time, but it's a very kind of gateway-ish game because of that, um, in my opinion. But yeah, the, that's like a very basic bare-bone game of buy cards, roll dice to produce them. Uh, the card effects are pretty straightforward. And I think the game ends when you buy this like ultimate card that's just very expensive. So I think you're just trying to ultimately build up, I think, a lot of money production so that you can buy an awesome card and just end the game. And it's very immediate. I think whoever builds that card basically... Uh, maybe ends the game or you count points at the end or something but i think if you end the game you usually win i think so uh other people are just trying to slow you down um it has like a colorful theme which is kind of funny because it's a very take that game but it has like farms and shops and stuff and you can build like sites in your city and you steal people's money but it's fine so Machikoro 2 Legacy. I should say between Machikoro and Machikoro 2, the difference is very minor. Machikoro 2, I think, is slightly better because instead of one market where you can pick from five cards, uh, which also have like a cost and an activation number, obviously, uh, and effects, you have, I think, three rows of cards. So there's a larger card selection and the cards, they had additional types of cards, I think. So I, th I would, if I were buying a game, I'd probably buy like Machikoro 2. Legacy is probably also good. I'm guessing they did interesting things with like the modular stuff you can do with a legacy game or a campaign game. So yeah, I would probably go to a legacy. But yeah, that's my number five, Machikoro 2 Legacy. Would you say the uh, legacy? They're they're three distinct games. If I didn't pitch it, yeah. Um, so would you say the take that in Machikoro is more annoying than the robber in in Catan? Or um, I think it's more annoying than the robber because the robber can only happen on a seven, which actually it's pretty frequent. But but I mean it's only happening on a seven. I guess statistically <laughs> that's the most common number, right? Yeah, but the Machikoro take that can happen just kind of over and over from different people. <laughs> so like it can happen on an eight or a nine. I think eight or nine if I remember were like the take that numbers in our game at least that we played. Uh, so it can just happen from different sources and uh, at least it doesn't disable, disable production forever like the robber does or not forever but until someone moves it. But I, I would say it's kind of similar, if not more annoying. I think actually if there's take that in uh, Catan, or it's, it, I think Catan is actually more positive uh, because there's, it's not take that, but I think there's a mechanism where people are supposed to help each other, which is the trading mechanism. So if you're leading, people kind of stop trading with you and hopefully you have enough production or ports or whatever to just deal with that. Um, I think if people help each other out, it's in theory should help all of them kind of be better off, you know, by trading. Uh, Machikor doesn't have trading, by the way, so that's a thing that doesn't happen there. But I'd say Machikor is more annoying, yeah, in in some ways. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, glad you brought up the trading because my number five is going to be kind of related to that. Um, so I was thinking about in Catan how that the trading, in my experience at least, kind of always just breaks down because <laughs> people just get greedy and they just they won't give you a good 
a good uh, like ratio. Like a one for one. Yeah. yeah, like they won't do one for one. They won't do two for two. Or not two for two. They're always like asking for two for one yeah, or yeah. three for one or like whatever. So it always just kind of breaks down. And so I was thinking of what's a game that I think teaches people how to kind of value what they're offering well. And Minds of Zavandor. Yes. No. Actually, same <laughs> designer, kidding. though. Uh <laughs> The game that came to mind, and this is not trading per se, it's Isle of Sky. Um, this is an Alexander Pfister game. Minds of Zavendor is another earlier design of his. Um, but I picked this one because I think that it's a good game. It's a game that teaches you how to understand the value of your uh, components or you know what you're putting up for offer to other players. Your first couple of games might be a, just a train wreck <laughs> before you understand the value of the tiles. So the way the game works, just really quickly, is you, you're you just tile laying in front of you to build a kingdom that scores the most points at the end of the game, and there's different scoring rounds. Uh, there's four different scoring conditions, and they just score in different combinations each round. And each round starts with each player taking three tiles from the bag, and then you assign coin values to two of them and you get rid of the third and then you basically just go around and have a purchasing round where people can buy the tiles from you that you put up for uh auction or bid or whatever it's not really an auction it's mostly just selling for a price um and so i think that uh i picked this game because i like it more than Catan, obviously um but it it, so it, it teaches you to understand the value of your resources. I think that's a skill that can transfer to other games where you're having to, you know, kind of understand what the value of your uh, your offering is in a trading or bidding or auctioning sec, uh, situation. And this is a fairly straightforward game that allows a good environment for that. And then similar to Catan, you're also working towards goals in this game. So you're working towards specific scoring parameters, whereas in Catan, it's a little more simplified. You're just kind of working to get a certain number of points by the end of the game. And, uh, you know, whoever has the most points wins. So it's a little different than scoring, but I, I think that kind of the that, that aspect of it translates. Um, the rest of the game is kind of entirely different. You're laying tiles as opposed to kind of building networks and upgrading cities and stuff like you do in Catan. But I picked Isle of Sky because I think that it's, in my mind, kind of the one of the best entry point games to teach you the value of, or understand the value of your resources that, you're, that you might trade or sell to other players. So that's my number five, Isle of Sky. Yep. Uh, Isle of Sky is a really cool game. I think it's kind of a nice split you choose, I would say, in some ways, game, like inspired yeah. by I split you choose vibes. Um, actually, there's an entire thing in Catan, speaking of trading, which we're not really covering, and that's the reason why a lot of people play it, um, which is the trading and I think it's actually really hard to do a good trading game. Uh, we can kind of take it up another time, I guess, but there's some trading games out there. But that's a thing that very few games do, I think, especially nowadays. Yeah, and that kind of, in my mind, the reason that is because I think that 
you, people just don't understand the value of, of what they're trading. And so they think, well, I'm going to be a savvy negotiator and I'm going to get more than what I'm giving, you know? And so I think oftentimes yeah, yeah. the values are just messed up. And so people don't trade and then that game just kind of falls apart. Yeah. There's a lot of kind of, um, theory around that, I guess, but, uh, to your point, uh, gosh, what I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's difficult to find a, a game that actually works. And even Katana would say, I don't know if it really works. Uh, if someone is just like giving their resources away, for example, there's nothing in the game that prevents you from like giving someone six sheep for one wood or something. Yep. You're just making a bad trade. And you could totally just set someone up to win the game. And that's definitely a problem in all trading games, I would say, that are kind of open parameters. And that's why I think they're kind of uncommon because it's very hard to make them like work really well because everyone needs to be on top of what they're trading to who for how much and just like all of those things otherwise you can have runaway situations and just kind of abusive situations yeah. so yeah, exactly. all kinds of problems basically so yeah i think um i think that's why they're not super common um also they kind of take a lot of time sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah and another just bonus point for isle of sky is that if someone gets into this and really likes it, then there are two really good expansions that kind of turn it into a heavier game. So if you're, if you're able to like hook somebody with this game, you can get them deeper. <laughs> yep. And if you've played Isle of Sky, I would say the expansions make it into a completely just crazy, more bigger game and with a lot of, a lot more options and paths. So it's, it's kind of crazy actually. It explodes a game from like a half yeah. an hour game to like an hour, an hour and a half, two hour yep. game with both expansions. I like it best that way, but I think this is a good entry point for the reasons I said. So, Yep, nice. Uh, my number four is actually a game that came out recently in 2021, Bad Company. Uh, we even, well, I played it at least at the recent SaltCon, actually in preparation for the SaltCon. I never played it at SaltCon. But it's a game where you are making a gang of uh, criminals, so Bad Company, that's why it's called Bad Company, and uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny, but when you buy more cards of their number, they become kind of like taller. <laughs> their waist just gets larger and larger. Miracle and, grow. <laughs> yeah, it, they just get really tall. <laughs> so it's kind of uh, wacky and amusing, I guess. The art is kind of fun, just kind of cartoony. Uh, but um yeah just kind of a kind of a fun thing visually but what is the game the game is like i say you're making a gang and you are rolling four dice in that game however like a tan you're still getting the production of two dice um actually in that game it's either the hmm, is it this oh yeah i think you can take either the sum or both of them individually i think it's your choice if i remember correctly or maybe it's all three gosh sorry i'm not super uh 100 on the mechanics but the interesting thing in the game is you make pairs of the four dice so you roll the four dice and you make pairs one pair is for you uh the other pair is for everyone else 
if I remember correctly. Gosh, that's crazy because uh, I played it recently and I'm getting mixed up with other games. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I'm telling you the right thing. But um, there is an element of kind of looking around the board and setting, looking around the table and setting up a pair of dice, which doesn't appear on other people's boards or doesn't work for other people. Actually, I think you make two pairs of dice and they can choose which one they um, use. But I think you're trying to pair up the dice so that they're maximally good for you and maximally bad for everyone else. Uh, the card activations are also more interesting. You're not just getting money, which is kind of like Machikori is, I think, mostly centered around like one currency. Uh, here you're getting different tokens. So you're getting tokens that accomplish these heists, which are kind of like set collection for tokens. Um, you put tokens on the heists, and when you collect all the tokens, they're completed. Uh, like things like masks and locks and flashlights and whatnot. Uh, also, you can put leftover tokens on your board, which can give you either money and money. Th there is also a money uh, mechanic where just coins and the coins are used for recruiting cards. So you're most getting most of your points by doing these like set collection for um, tokens, like the, the not coins, or uh, you can choose coins to build up kind of your cards for future hopefully uh, better token collection um as as with most of those games if you have multiple cards on the same number you activate all of them so you just collect a series of things which is usually pretty awesome there's a majority mechanic of having heists of particular numbers and you get these like necklaces and if you're all that guy you get an additional point so kind of an interesting kind of majority mechanic so you're fighting for different heist types i guess that you're doing um and there's also a minor thing where you're there's a police car chasing you and it's actually kind of clever because it's also the game timer um so there's a linear track of a road and there's a police car behind everyone and you're trying to kind of keep ahead of the police car because you get these bonuses when you drive on the road which again is done by an icon which looks like a steering wheel uh, so if the cops are in front of you, you don't get those things that you pass over on the road. Um, you don't collect those bonuses. The bonuses are like coins or points or these bonus cards. Um, there's also bonus cards, which you can get through just kind of various ways. Sometimes they're on high, sometimes they're on the road, and they can help you with dice mitigation and kind of like re-rolls or pretend that the dice are one higher or something, so you can kind of fiddle with the dice sums that way. Um, overall, I actually uh, think this is a pretty cool game. What kind of doesn't make it super great is the way that you recruit cards actually i kind of have a problem with the way that you recruit cards because the way you recruit cards is you draw three cards off the top of the deck um and you just buy one of them when you spend like it's an increasing amount of coins so like three four five six um at the beginning of the game it's cheap to recruit to your gang but then it gets more expensive as as, as you buy more cards so that you don't so it's like a, a slowing down so the game doesn't exponentiate too much <laughs> uh, but the, you you just reveal three cards and you buy one of them and you can reveal like a lot of the same number or even all three cards are the same number so like four 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 so there's very little choice in how you set up your board um, so you just kind of the game kind of feeds you cards and you just try to make the best of it so you can't do very strategic things I think to like build up your build up one number so it's 
massive for you. Uh, sometimes you're just kind of at the mercy of the game um, when you recruit cards. And I think that's kind of very important to set up your board with like the right probabilities and, you know, like seven's the most frequent number and you should probably buy that if possible, you know. Um, I think the game actually overall works and it's pretty fun. And actually the scores are usually surprisingly close with all these like <laughs> different mechanics built into it. Uh, so overall, I think it's it works fairly well. I just wish the the recruiting of the cards was better. Um, also, I'm not sure if there's some there's some card abilities that are just kind of ridiculous. For example, you actually roll five dice. I I lied. You don't. You roll the police card die, which can move zero, one, or two spaces, which also dictates the game length. So the game could be just kind of like really short if you roll a lot of uh, police movement, or really long if no one if everyone drives really slowly. There's also another way for the game to end, which is six heists, which can happen. But there's an ability, for example, that when the police car drives two, you drive one or something like that. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, and that card, I think, is just really not necessarily powerful. Just It just like really rushes the game. And there's a few cards like that that are just kind of very questionable to me that are just on, on heists or um, usually on heists, actually. Uh, overall, not a really big problem. I think it's like a fairly um, intro-type, gateway-type game. So it works well. Like I say, the scores are usually close. Uh, there's just these things that are a little bit more random than I would like, even with the dice production and all that, that kind of hold it back, in my opinion. But I think Trevor actually avoided this completely, even at Hulkcon. I did. So Yeah, I job. avoided this one. <laughs> The I uh, this table was next to one of the games I was teaching at SaltCon, and the only thing I remember other than the art is that one of the players' uh, board combinations made their gang or whatever named the the cheesy pimples, which <laughs> was just kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I I did avoid this game. Yeah, uh, you start with an asymmetric gang, which is a minor thing, I guess, but you put two boards together and it gives you an initial set of different icons, I guess. So, like, not everyone's getting the same thing. So, that, like, if you roll a nine, people are getting different things and it just pushes people in different directions, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, I don't know, it's it's a fairly gateway game. I think it's actually fine. Obviously, I think it's better than Machikoro, probably because it doesn't have f heavy take that actually i don't know if it has any take that really which is funny for like a bad company and like criminal activity type of game uh the only take that so to speak is actually stealing necklaces first because you took over someone's like majority and that is like two points at the end of the game and you generate points throughout the game and one point for stealing the necklace but that's the only thing that actually like directly hurts someone else i think in the game which is kind of amazing so yeah yep anyway that's bad company cool uh my number four is selenia from uh sebastian dujardin and published by pearl games so i thought of this game because uh so if, you, if you're playing Catan and what you really like is collecting the hand of cards and then buying the buildings or the roads or whatever to put on the, on the board, then I think Selenia packs that same uh, mechanism of resource management with kind of a, a hand limit into a more fun package. 
uh, in my opinion. Uh, so Selenia is a game where basically you're flying along this airship uh, down this set of tiles. I just learned that the mechanism for this is called bias, where the it, it basically it's like programmed to move in a certain way. <laughs> so uh, there's this airship that's flying down this set of tiles, and the tiles uh, basically... R- cycle through as the ship moves further along more tiles will come up front and so the tiles that were at the back are flipped over and put over to the front of the ship so just so like kind of the ship is actually moving through space and it moves through nighttime and daytime and the different uh so basically what you're doing during the game is uh, you're putting these cards down from your hand onto this board and there's a hole cut through the middle of all your cards. And when you put your card down, the strength of that card will determine how many resources you get. And then you put those resources onto your airship, and your airship has a very limited capacity. And then you use those resources to purchase these, I think they're like airship upgrade tiles or whatever, or just they're basically like mini contract fulfillment. So you're basically just converting resources to points. Uh, There's also kind of an engine aspect to that because when you place these tiles you buy onto your airship you unlock benefits and sometimes they're ongoing abilities so there's a little bit more to the game there that that people might like as well if you like this resource management aspect of of Catan uh, but basically you just uh, the game ends once everybody has played all the cards uh, from from your hand and so I think that this would be a suitable replacement for Catan because um, you do have to kind of get the resources that you need and you are limited in how many you can have at the same time, but you do have some influence over what you're able to get. So uh, the placement of these cards has to be like under or adjacent to the tile where the airship is or the, the space where the airship is, but you can spend resources to place them further away. So you kind of have the flexibility of, of getting the resources you need. That's not to say that you'll always be able to do that, but at least it's built into the game where you can, as opposed to relying on the roll of a die or dice. Um, and so I think that Selenia is a fantastic entry point game for, uh, for somebody to kind of scratch the itch of resource production and management uh to to just kind of simply score points uh there's there's a couple Mm. other things in the game but uh that was kind of what i wanted to focus on for for that i know you've played this one before i don't know how you (laughs) i actually don't know how you feel about this one uh yeah yeah, that's a pretty good one for like resource production and usage. Yeah, I would say there are obviously much more complicated games for resource like conversion. Um, uh, but yeah, that's actually a good one. Yeah, I like Solenia. Yep, I agree. <laughs> Nailed it. That's all. <laughs> all right, that's all, folks. Let's go. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah. I like Selenia. I'm not sure if it's super related to Catan, but yes, if you enjoy the resource production and usage and like resource management, I guess that's the word I'm I'm looking for. Uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty good resource management game, yeah. And uh, you kind of cash out resources for eventually points. So, yep. And I think Catan is very similar, actually. It's it's kind of less obvious that it's that way, but you are effectively cashing out resources for points. They're just in the form of, like, cities and roads and stuff, so yep. you don't, like, 
count them, but they, well, you actually do count them, <laughs> but it's not like, you know, like in modern game, modern games where it gets to like a hundred, 120 or whatever, you know, it's just like a 10 or yeah. whatever it was. I, yeah, I think can't it's 10 points. remember actually how it ends. That's been, it's been such a long time. So yeah, it, uh, it's very uh, appropriate for that. I would say. Number three. Um, all right. So my number three is Valeria Card Kingdoms. Uh, Valeria, I think the world of Valeria or just kind of the uh, franchise of Valeria has insane amounts of expansions, I think. Um I think they even have like a different game now, not Valeria Card Kingdoms, but just something else in the same universe. So I guess it really took off for some people. And um, I can see why um, it's another game where you the f uh, you go around the table and you roll dice. Uh, in this game, you produce the left side of cards and everyone else produces the right side of cards. And I looked it up actually um, because embarrassing, I didn't remember the rules for the previous two games. You get both the sum of the dice and each die individually. So like if you're all three, four, you get three, four and seven. So all the cards with three, four and seven activate. And then you can do stuff. You can do stuff like you can acquire uh, what the theme of the game, I think, is that you're like reuniting a kingdom or you're taking over a kingdom or you're expanding a kingdom. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but you're you can add like new lands, conquer new lands, which are usually points in an ongoing ability. You can recruit new cards, which is kind of make your engine better. Um, they have thematic names like knight or thief or whatever. Or you can fight monsters. The monsters are, I think, another way to score points. Um, and, and, if, and I think monsters are actually kind of oriented towards set collection. And they also have themes like, I think, I don't know if they're skeletons, but suppose there are skeletons. And you go through like increasingly harder skeletons, and then you fight the skeleton king at the end. And um, I think the point of, well, at least in my game, which was the, just the base game, the point of fighting monsters was you fight a lot of skeletons because the skeleton king is usually like some kind of points per skeleton defeated. So you want to fight like specialized in monster types, I think. Um, so the cards are accordingly oriented towards either getting you money to like buy new lands with or other cards or swords which usually is to fight monsters with, and the monsters usually give you money back, I think. So there's this kind of economy of, do I want to go heavy swords, or do I want to go heavy money? And there's also cards with other effects that are maybe more interesting. Uh, but generally, it's about collecting resources and either, I think, going like swords or going heavy uh, lands. And overall, I think it's pretty good, actually. Um, I actually kind of came into this game not expecting to like it much because I've seen it previously, and it's actually one of the games, one of the list of, of, this, of these games that I played recently. And I've seen it for years, actually, on just other tables or walking by tables where people have played it. And maybe it's because I'm not a huge, like, fantasy theme fan i thought i wouldn't like it so much but it's actually a pretty good game i think um i think it's pretty well designed um the market is very it's kind of like dominion i would say because there's a preset market in the middle and the cards can run out but like anyone can buy 
the same cards. So it's like Dominion, you have a preset set and you're trying to kind of make the best path through that set to get you to the most points. Uh, the only thing that's variable, I think, is the, the lands and the way they come out. Uh, but that does change the game significantly because there's abilities on them that are very different. So that can I'm, I'm pretty sure like that can change the game very significantly for people. Uh, more of all, I had a lot of fun with this, surprisingly to me. Um, it was interesting to, just like I say, make the decisions of, first of all, which numbers you're going to buy. Second of all, am I going like heavy swords? Am I trying to push swords maybe for the next little bit? Or did a good land come out and am I trying to save it, save for it? Um, the new edition actually came out. I think the original edition had these like plastic tokens for money and the new edition completely threw those away and they just have tracks now, which actually I think works a lot better in that game. I, I can imagine how it be kind of a nightmare to count because the numbers get pretty high um so I, I i can imagine counting to like 25 gold or something and then spending like 13 of it and that's a much easier on the board i think like with a tracker with a cube tracker than physical tokens and from what i see they didn't look great either so i think it's a kind of an upgrade to actually go with the boards uh, but yeah, surprisingly, I thought it was a pretty decent game. Uh, some set collection concepts were there with icons and things, and uh, like the lands have also set collection requirements. Uh, so there's kind of different mechanics going on a little bit. I think more strategy, definitely more predictability, I would say, because you can choose exactly which cards you're buying, and maybe you're trying to push heavy on the number. Uh, but kind of um, pretty good. So yeah. Have you even heard of this game? Uh, yeah, I've I've seen it around. Um, I I don't think I've ever had anybody suggest playing it before. <laughs> uh, was this a Wednesday game or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. I played it at the game okay. shop on yeah. Wednesday. Yes, that makes sense because I've I've never had anybody like want to play this game before. Uh, yeah, generally it's um, I think still on obviously the gateway side a little bit lighter. I think most of these games are because of the virtue of kind of random generation of resources. You can control that to an extent, but obviously if you roll sevens the entire game, first of all that's insane. But second of all, it can totally happen, and whoever bought the seven cards is likely to win. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So just by virtue of that, I think these games are just kind of on the gateway side. So I think generally we don't play these kinds of games however i've played them with other groups who like lighter games and they're just a lot of fun with yeah. people who enjoy that kind of stuff i think yeah well, that's that's good for you know people enjoy these games obviously so there's a reason they exist but yeah, yeah. i just haven't ever crossed paths with it but even the art i liked actually in this game i didn't expect to kind of really like much about it but both the game the mechanics and the art were actually pretty good uh yeah i was just uh going to say that this there's a reason you like this is the same it's illustrator the same. as like all the north kingdom west kingdom yeah, yeah that's actually what it felt like i was wondering if it's the same guy but yes it is yeah yep how old yeah i think they call him the Il, the miko or micho i don't know it's like michael basically is the yeah. english version of the, his name so yeah yeah his nickname that you'll see on a lot of stuff is the Miko, the Miko or some. Yeah, I've heard yeah. some people say the Micho, but I don't know if that's the correct. Micho, yeah, that's probably the Macedonian yeah, name. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So for my next one, you're going to have to squint and like tilt your head sideways 
to to see the comparison to Catan. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, but so I, I have a I have a purpose. My number three game. Um, and by the way, I'm not ranking these in the in the uh, the the order in which I like them most. Otherwise, this game would be higher. Uh, it's Ginkopolis, and. The reason I picked this is because I was thinking of uh, the times I played Catan. There's usually a frustration with the players, or, or they, there's a like a lot of people like putting all the wooden pieces on the map, right? That's fun to put put your pieces down and build things. But there's usually a lot of frustration around uh, I can't build anywhere anymore, or I got screwed and I'm. I've got my pieces on numbers that are not being rolled, even though the game told me statistically they would be rolled more often. Yep. And so I was thinking of a way for people to kind of engage in that play where you're building something on the board communally, but it's not so rigid. And Ginkopolis just shot to the top of the list for, for that kind of feeling. Um, and because so the way Ginkopolis works is it's a card drafting game which has nothing to do with Settlers of Catan, <laughs> but uh, it, you're basically building a city together in the middle of the table and you're putting your resources onto the onto the spaces when you build buildings. So there's kind of a direct visual representation of you know rather than spending my wheat and a sheep and a brick and whatever uh, to build this wooden piece I throw down. I'm actually just putting the resources from my play area onto the player board. So it's kind of, it's actually kind of straight, more straightforward in that way. Um, you're just counting the number of resources you need because as the building gets higher, you have to put the the number of resources equal to the, basically how big the stack is. So if it's a, if it's a second layer building, you have to put two of your resources on it. If it's a third, you have to put three. Um, and then there's also ways to, in this game, you can play cards to build uh, and you know grow the building like that. You can also play cards to just get the resources from an, from the number building corresponding to your card. And so there's again, it's kind of you can control more the resources you're getting or the the outputs that the game is giving to you rather than relying on the dice. So I think that that would kind of feel more rewarding. Um, and the scoring in this game is more complicated than a Catan, obviously. Um, but I think that the, the wow and the fun factor of being able to have the board be kind of a little more free form through the course of the game, obviously if subject to all the placement restrictions, I think that, that would be really fun for people who, who kind of enjoy Catan. And I actually did try this out with a couple of friends of ours uh, in the last couple of months who don't play too many, like they don't play heavy style games and they played this and they just loved it. Um, and so I think that Ginkopolis could be a great, entry point for people who are interested in board games but haven't played a lot of games before even though it, this one does have a little bit more complexity than than Catan. Yeah, I would say this is very loosely related to Catan in some ways, but Yeah, it's uh, more about like just the feeling of like putting wood pieces into yeah, the yeah. In, like building something together. But it's a great game. I think uh, maybe something even simpler than Ginkopolis would be, I don't know, like Tiny Towns or something, or like a very simple city building type game. Um, I don't know if even like Suburbia really, but um, 
you're not really putting wooden pieces though that's the weird part about uh suburbia it's all about like money so you're right like kind of putting wooden pieces on a board that doesn't really exist so much i think um i think city building games make their buildings either cheap or like predictable because otherwise it'd be very complex if every building had like a blueprint with like what's required to build it i think yeah so I don't know, but yeah, there I also like Inkopolis. It reminds me of city building games, but I actually like Inkopolis a lot because it's very unique with like the area majorities type thing and just kind of changing majorities over building people's buildings. I think that's super like very like makes it very stand out from the rest of the city building yeah. stuff. Yeah, and like it it so it just for the benefit of the listener, I think we've talked about Inkopolis actually, but the way it scores at the end of the game is basically you score these districts, which is a clump of two or more tiles of the same color and basically whoever has the most uh resources in that district scores each resource in the district is one point whoever has the most resources scores all of the resources and then there's like there's breakdowns of that for second place and and so on um but yeah i just think that this is a fantastic game for that kind of that feel of spending your resources to put like put wooden pieces on the board in the middle of the table, which is kind of what I've in, I've noticed a lot of people really like when they get into playing Settlers of Catan. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ginkopla is pretty solid. All right. But yeah, you do have to squint and turn your head sideways <laughs> yeah. to, to, to see the comparison. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's 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 okay. <laughs> like as like you, we were saying, your list is the more creative one. I think. Number two. Uh, actually, speaking of creative, though, uh, this game is probably my least connected to Catan game, but you, uh, you it, to me, it's still pretty strong connection. Uh, the game's Call to Adventure, actually. Uh, in Call to Adventure, you're not rolling dice, so that's probably why it, it's a little bit weirder because it doesn't immediately look like a tan like roll dice collect stuff. However, you're rolling, rolling, I guess, like tossing whatever runes. Uh, the runes are basically two sided. I'd say like coins or something, basically two-sided dice, if you want to call it that, uh, because they have two sides and each side is either blank or something awesome. Or if it's like the best rune, uh, you s- they're all different sets of runes depending on conditions. One rune has like a special side and it's never blank, basically. It's either regular or special. Uh, so I think what actually elevates this game for me quite a bit is the theme of it. Most of the Catan games is like build a nameless city with hexes and it's like very not organic. Even Ginkopolis is like build a square city with never rising buildings and changing cubes on top of them, you know. Um, I think this cult adventure game uh, actually oozes theme compared to other games of its kind. Because you um, actually, and it's even made to um, extend like a universe of books, or maybe re replay the books or something. Trevor can talk about Isn't that actually later. Isn't this based on a Brandon Sanderson something or other? Yes, um, I don't know what that is actually. I mean, I know it's like a fantasy series, from what I understand. But you can talk about it because you probably know more about it after. But uh, like 
art is really really good i think um and also you the the entire theme of the book is you actually simulate your life i think so you start i think thematically kind of inexperienced or young or something and you have these challenges which prepare you to be awesome and the champion of the people or this like evil person that can still score a lot of points <laughs> by being evil <laughs> so you also can have this kind of a uh, choice of do you want to be a good person or do you want to be an evil person um there's a, an, even a track of like the cards you can play like destiny cards or something i even looked up the terms of what you select at the beginning of the game you select your origin your motivation and your destiny uh, your destiny is usually a thing that you score at the end of the game your origin and motivation are ongoing abilities that you can do um so you're usually kind of better at some types of challenges which is rolling a particular set to set of runes or you have like some kind of an ability i think uh so the game is basically a series of like i say challenges and the challenges are you rolling runes and resolving them just for yourself i don't think other people actually follow anything in this game um so there's these ages or something or like basically stages of the game and you start at the first stage of the game where the challenges are kind of easy some of them you just even like just get them so it's like a trait i think is what it's called so there's it's not a challenge it's just a trait so you just might get like a boost to your stats or something for hopefully completing later challenges or some kind of icons for set collection um but eventually the challenges get harder and when you attempt a challenge first of all you have to select which way you're attempting it so there's multiple choices on every card i think some of the challenges are more difficult some require different icons some have different i think rewards and then you collect all the runes that are showing on your board um and then you roll them or roll them toss them i guess uh, the runes look really cool they have symbols on them they're these like plastic things they feel good though to throw and you just uh, hope to get the result you want. And that's actually the only downside of the game is I think you basically should succeed every time and you should definitely think about how to succeed every time. And there is ways to mitigate runes and like plug uh, things that you didn't roll and stuff and maybe re-roll things and sacrifice things to make them better. So there are many ways to make sure that you can succeed, but sometimes if you push it too hard, I think you will not succeed. And I think that's kind of a disaster because the game is literally i think like 10 turns or something usually it's like really short and i think you should be getting a card every turn which is what the challenges are <laughs> so if you miss like even a single card i think you're kind of done with like scoring i mean the game's still fun to play but i think it just really hurts you like your progression kind of throughout the game so um yeah kind of difficult to explain specifics about the game but it's pretty straightforward these games all kind of by the way look very complicated because there's lots of icons and stuff but most of them are basically select a thing uh or just roll dice and see what you get i think the difficulty is more selecting how you're gonna spend those things that you got because usually the complexity of icons and all the jumbles are what you're getting um and then the difficulty i think is like the selection of the new card that you're buying or the challenge that you're accepting because that becomes your next set of what you're getting if that makes sense uh so it's basically like a big 
engine building situation happening in these games but uh i think like i say cult adventure in particular the theme is pretty awesome at the end of the game you actually are supposed to like tell your story so you can look at all the cards you've collected throughout the game and kind of make up a story of like oh i was like a thief who went and accomplished these great things and i totally turned around my ways and i went um and saved a bunch of people and the cards have like really thematic ties and it's actually pretty cool like overall from a storytelling perspective you feel like you've actually like gone through like a story or a lifetime or an experience or something which actually very obviously ties to the name of the game called adventure which i think is pretty cool and you also get victory points and hopefully you won the game but even if you didn't win the game i think this game actually has this weird thing of it's still fun to play and it, i think it's not necessarily about the points even though obviously there are points and there is a winner uh but it's more kind of the experience um, i think the experience of playing the game is really fun and actually there's a cult adventure Star stormlight archive where they have officially made a co-op mode where you can play against like a boss or something and the game kind of goes the same way except at the end everyone has to i think defeat this boss or collectively defeat this boss or something which is like an evil thing and you either win or lose i think um there are some weird things about Stormlight Archive, which, I don't know, questions that we had that I actually posted on the forums and the designer never answered, so I don't know, I'm, just, I'm a little bit confused. There seem to be, they tried to do these like really fancy effects and stuff on the cards, and there are some really thing weird things that can happen. <laughs> I'm not going to go into details, but uh, I think the first game is like clearer of how the cards work. Second game is a little bit weirder uh, with how cards work. Generally pretty clear, but like I say, there's some combinations of cards and effects that are just a little, a little odd, I think, with the design. Uh, but yeah, Call to Adventure. Trevor knows all about the theme and nothing about the game, I think, of this game. Because I think your wife was reading this book series, or you have, or I don't know. You just know yeah, stuff I, about it. I know nothing about the game, and I know almost nothing about the books. Cause okay, I, uh, never mind. Yeah, my, my wife uh, likes Brandon Sanderson books and has read quite a few of them. Uh, actually, what I think has happened here is that... The original Call to Adventure is not the Brandon Sanderson, and it looks like they just took the Call to Adventure system and then plugged Brandon Sanderson stuff into it for the Stormlight Archive because that's that's like the name of a series of books I think he writes is the Stormlight Archive. Uh, so. I see. So you think like the original is basically like a generic call to adventure type game, like yeah. you go on an adventure and then they like reverse ported the universe to Stormlight yeah. Archive. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> it, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it just at a quick glance, that looks like what they did. That's very interesting. But yeah, I like Call to Adventure quite a bit, actually. There's actually an expansion. It's kind of weird. They made an expansion, Name of the Wind, which is just for Call to Adventure, I think. Uh, you cannot use it with Stormlight Archive. And more awkwardly, and even more awkwardly, 
I think you can play Stormlight Archive with Call to Adventure, but you should select only a specific set of cards. And they had like a really long list of what cards uh, you should pull out of Call to Adventure. So I think it's quite an adventure <laughs> yeah. to play Call to Adventure with the Stormlight Archive. So I would kind of say they're kind of two separate games, in my opinion. I, I think it's more experimental to mix both of them together. Looks I need like to try the name of the wind, actually. Uh, the name of the wind sounds, sounds pretty good. Yep. Yeah, it looks like they're just kind of taking fantasy books and plugging it into the system because name of the wind i think is a patrick rothfuss book oh so it's like an um, um, amalgam of fancy novels or something (laughs) they might just Just kind of like generic themes yeah i mean it's a good way to sell a game if you can tap into like the brandon sanderson crowd you know (laughs) yeah but i think actually the game is pretty solid for what it is which is like uh like i say very low turn kind of fairly high luck sometimes uh game but i enjoy it quite a bit probably because of the theme and the awesome art and just kind of the experience of playing it oddly enough for that kind of game cool yeah i haven't tried that one but this is actually one that i wanted to try at some point uh all right so my number two is via nebula from martin wallace and space cowboys so this is a game where uh basically the resources you produce are going to be shown on tokens that you have to access on the board. So you, the point of the game is you have these like little islands of land that are separated by clouds uh, on the board, and your the goal of the game is to disperse the clouds, connect to areas that have resources, and then transport those resources to. Uh, to where you want to build buildings. Um, And it's been a minute since I've played this game, so I can't remember exactly how scoring works, but I think there's also contract fulfillment where you're using resources to buy points for the end of the game. Um, But one way that this game can uh, sort of give Catan vibes is that anytime anybody who's played Catan sees a board with hexagons on it, it is, oh, that, that looks like Catan. <laughs> yeah, especially Terra Mystica. Yes. I left Terra Mystica off the list because I think that is <laughs> it's definitely... Little, it's kind of complicated, like, yeah. Yeah, complicated. But you use all the same pieces. <laughs> so. uh, I should say it's, it's complicated for your second game ever, yes. which is how, like yes. like I say, that's, that's my list is like you're playing your second game ever or like you've played Catan, Monopoly, and like whatever uh, the, I don't know, the Betrayal, Betrayal or something. You know, like those kinds of games and then you want to go to like a, a, a larger yeah. euro game or something right um so via nebula comes to mind as a great Catan killer replacement or however you want to call it because um it it has all the same elements of basically the way you end and score in the game is by building your buildings getting the resources and using those resources to do things that get you points. But I think that it's more fun and a little, maybe even more approachable because all the resources that you can get in the game are shown on the board. Uh, If I remember correctly, there's like, there's like these little circle discs and the way you access them is you put one of your little meeple persons on that space. And then the, then the resources just pop out of thin air. And then it's basically kind of, 
kind of pick up and deliver, I, I guess, where you have to connect through like just gra grass tiles to get to those resources to then deliver those resources to a construction site where you're building your buildings. Um, and so there's, it takes, it takes sort of the luck of the die roll out of it, but there's still that kind of unknown element because you may not necessarily be the one to get all those resources, even if you're the one to start, you populate that tile with all the pigs or whatever, all the, the resources. Um, and so there's kind of that um, confrontational aspect where you're kind of racing each other to get to the good spots, to get the good resources to then, you know, pay for your contracts to get your points or build your buildings or what have you. Um, and so I think that Via Nebula is a great way to kind of play the same kind of game without some of the random or frustrating elements of, of Settlers of Catan. So that's my number two, Via Nebula. Yeah, I think Via Nebula is actually a really cool game, maybe underappreciated by people because it looks kind of childish or something. But I think in this guise, it's kind of like an 18xx simplified game because what you're trying to do is actually uh, there's a weird scoring where you score, I think, negative points or something if you have leftover resources on the board. And if you score, you score positive points if they get used. So you actually want to, like... Uh, provide resources which will be used either by you or ideally by everyone so it's kind of like a set me up bro game where um, you're trying to set up everyone else including yourself though and everyone else is trying to set you up because you want to use the resources you want also the resources to be used you get some kind of benefits from that to fulfill these contracts so it's very interesting like I don't know kind of a very interesting vibe of like you, yeah. you place something and I hope it gets used and you have <laughs> yeah. fun guys it's not like a selfish game you're trying to like give yeah. away resources or something yeah and what i kind of like about that too is um that it, it takes so Catan has what a, a lot of negative interactions um you know where you're building a road blocking people, you're blocking stealing people, from people out <laughs> stealing yeah. from people you know this you're kind of like setting each other up. So it just has positive interactions. I mean, you can yeah, turn yeah. it negative by just like choosing not to take the stuff from that person, but you, you are engaging in the similar type of economy, but the interactions are flipped to be positive rather than negative. And I think that is uh, in, for me, a more enjoyable experience. Yeah, yeah, and overall the game is just very kind of unique. I mean, I guess in this guys maybe you're building like train tracks instead of green tiles or whatever, but I think that's fine. I think the theme is actually pretty unique with like the fog and uncovering the fog and everything's connected to each other. And I think it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, and that's actually what the the green hex, the grass tiles that you're putting on are effectively tracks or the roads that you're building it in yeah, Catan, yeah. but everybody can use them. So it... it Again, it's a it's a positive interaction rather than a negative interaction. Yep, but pretty cool game. Anyway, I like Via Nebula. Uh... Number one. All right, my number one is Space Base. Um, I think of the Catan games and if of the roll dice receive things games. Uh, this is probably the best one, in my opinion. 
at least the one that appeals to me the most. And that's kind of funny, but if you open screenshots of it, you can totally see why, because there's this like uh, avalanche of cards and there's many of them. And there's many of them there's many of them on the board and all of them do different things. And actually there's some really weird cards and I actually was in a discussion about clarifying rules for it, oddly enough, in this online board game group over this weekend for some reason. Someone asked like, oh, how do these cards work? And then some people are like, that's not how they work. And I was like, it is how they work. So, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, uh, it gets a little complicated because you can like charge cards multiple times to use them one time. And there's also like, you can use certain cards only on your turn as opposed to some cards you can only use on other people's turn or on anyone's turn. And it, yeah, it gets, it gets a little crazy. Also, I think this game has the most like curve of any game meaning you can actually like build an engine run it for a little bit and actually have it pay off i feel like with uh, machikoro and bad company and those kind of games they're just like kind of fast um and you just don't get to use your cars that much you're just hoping for like a few lucky rolls and i mean space space obviously you are hoping also for a few lucky rolls but i think there's kind of like more time for things to happen if that makes sense um also there's a lot of selection on how to run your game even though i think your money like limits you a lot by what you can buy from the middle of the board but you can save up for a better card which also comes with a better number i also think the cards are balanced really well because the cards which are very frequently rolled like six for example uh, six in this game because you can take the dice separately or together and then this game is separately or together if I remember correctly so like if you roll six and six you can take a 12 or two sixes and everyone can make that decision for themselves um, so the six cards because they're the most frequent have like first of all probably more expensive and second of all probably weaker effects because they're very frequently rolled so like the balancing of the cards is i think really good in general um also the cards which get charged multiple times they depend on player count because sometimes it's your turn more frequently what i'm saying is basically like a lot of thought came into went into kind of balancing the cards in my opinion and making them not ridiculous <laughs> um and yeah, it's a pretty cool game. They actually put it on Board Game Arena recently. I was encouraging uh, Trevor to play it, but he refused. Um, <laughs> I think uh, there's really interesting decisions in it. Like I say, there's a huge market where you can buy things. Also, you can like kind of buy these endgame cards, which kind of kill your engine because you get nothing on them but there are lots of points so there's this very interesting like inflection point of where you think you're kind of done with the game and you can start buying those points cards and hope that you just just push it like just enough to edge out the win which i think is 40 points if i remember correctly or something 40 victory points something like that anyway it's like a set amount of victory points whoever uh reaches it first finish the round and whoever has the most points wins uh but i think it's a pretty cool game in general um i don't know about the theme the theme is just pretty thin to me uh they're are the sectors of the galaxy which are the numbers and you're deploying ships there um the ships have weird names it's supposedly their thematic but i just don't even care about the theme in this game it's all numbers and the numbers are a lot of fun uh, and i think the ships are kind of fun to look at but like i'm not 
I, when I'm playing the game, I'm just calculating numbers most of the time, unfortunately, or fortunately, if you like that kind of thing. But unlike Call to Adventure, where I think the, the pool of the game in large part is the theme, the pool of the game here is, I think, in large part, the calculations and like figuring out inflection points, curves, like uh, odds of things happening, what you should buy, when and why. And uh, yeah, but this I think is kind of the best I've seen so far of the roll dice and everyone generates stuff types of games. And that's actually kind of interesting because it only has like it doesn't have any complicated resource. It has just like one resource, which is money. It has an income mechanic. So that's interesting, though, like you can build up income, which is repeatable money you start at that much if you buy cards or you can invest in money which if you buy something you go to zero so like if income is kind of ongoing money and uh, obviously money is just money so there's two ways to kind of do that but the rest of the game is kind of the the effects are interesting i should say but um the Currency is just money and victory points. So you're just trying to like push money and then push victory points. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Have, uh, why are you refusing to play this game, Trevor? Just kidding. Because <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have time. <laughs> no, no, actually, I actually would play this game. Uh, actually, did you know that the same designer is coming out with another random production game called Rolling Heights? Actually, I was looking at Rolling Heights, um, and it looked interesting. But you, I, you roll I the know. meeples, I think, rather than dice. Yeah, uh, actually, speaking of meeple rolling, the first game that I've seen that did that was Quetzal, actually, or Quetzal or whatever. Um, that was a minor thing of uh, Quetzal, I think, because he was afraid of that being like working or not working. <laughs> like meeple rolling, I don't know if it's good, man. But this, I think, uh, he's embracing it a lot in. Uh, rolling Heights because I think that's like basically the production of the game, right? Yeah. So apparently it does work somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, actually, I noticed that in the random production list, and that looked interesting. Um, I think it says 23, so we'll see how yeah, it goes, I, think, I uh, guess. I think it was just on Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. I didn't see it. But yeah, I will check it out. I'm a little bit uh, still not super sold on the Roll Meeples mechanic, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. looks very See, interesting. Seems like maybe you like this designer a bit. Yeah. Because he also did Cubitos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I clicked on his name. Um, I think I like him to some extent, but I think, uh, for example, Ecos, I didn't really like. Uh, Custom Heroes was just okay. So I think he's kind of hit and miss, is what I'm going to say. Did you ever play Mystic Veil? Um, I did play Mystic Veil. I think it's fine. I just... Yeah, I, it's not my type of game. I think some people like it a lot. And I actually, there's someone in our group that played it like a lot, a lot. He even had the big box with all the expansions in it and all that stuff. Um, I thought it was a fine game, really well designed. I was just not super sold on the entire just kind of mechanism of it. But I think it's a, it's a pretty solid game. I tried it a couple of times. Yeah, because it is, it is kind of random production, but it's more push your luck. Yeah, it's a little bit pusher luck. I think there's like a deck building concept, if I remember correctly. Yeah, in it. and card and, crafting. And card crafting. Yeah, you're just leaving cards all the time. Uh, it was interesting, yeah. Maybe just that's kind of his style, it seems. 
Uh, cool. Yeah, I, I definitely will try Space Base sometime. Just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Um, it's also it also doesn't take very long, even though it looks like I say complicated and has somewhat of a curve or something. It's still like an hour game, so it's not a super complex game. But I think this game is like way better than Catan, in my opinion. Speaking of games that are way better than Catan, <laughs> uh, so my number one, uh, I knew instantly it it's Ragusa. So. Uh, it has the hexes, it has the little house wood pieces, it has the resources, it has the fish. <laughs> it is a Catan killer. Um, yeah, but, I didn't think about it, but you're actually right. It, it has kind of pretty much all the elements, even like the yes, longest road thing with yes, the freaking wall or whatever. It has all of the Catan elements without the dice. Um, because so the way this game works is I think everybody has like 12 houses or something like that. And each turn, you're just placing a house onto the board. And depending on where you place it, you're going to produce resources. Uh, and the way that is determined is you place your house in a spot and then that spot will be touching, uh, three other hexes or three hexes total. So you might be touching like a vineyard and you might be touching a rock quarry and you might be touching a, the woods or something. And so you will get, uh, and then once you place your house, basically everybody else's house in that district or on, on that hex activates uh, you going around clockwise. And so you, the more houses you put on a certain spot, the more times you're going to be able to do that action. And so that's effectively choosing what die is rolled in Catan, right? So if you, if you have a clump of houses around a sheep pasture, then you just put another house on that sheep pasture and then all of you get your sheep, right? So you're just kind of taking out the die rolling and just picking to produce certain types of resources. And then there's more interesting buildings in the uh, city of Ragusa where you can... Uh, uh, score epic points, Yeah, generally. score epic points. Like, generally score epic yeah, points, pretty you much. You can convert some things into like more advanced resources or something but anyway you're just you're you're there's points <laughs> with the 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 hexes in the city or there's like refined resources which turn into more points by just cashing them out I exactly think. and then you can also there's like boat cards that are worth a certain number of points um the resource uh resource production in this game is also has a similar tie to Catan in that you have a resource production uh, player board. So you're not actually picking up cubes resources, but you're uh, you have like a moving glass piece on your player board uh, that shows you how many of a certain resource you have. And there are resource limits. Um, And then there's also a fun aspect that the resource value uh, fluctuates. So there's kind of a market, aspect uh introduced into this game uh but this game in my opinion does everything Catan does but does it better and in more fun and again this has kind of positive player interactions in that you are activating other people on the hexes where you place your uh houses but it does also have the negative interactions in that you can block people uh, from spots, uh, and so it, it, it. In my mind, this is just an absolute replacement for for Settlers of Catan. 
Actually, that was not obvious to me, but you're totally right. I think um, it doesn't have, obviously, the trading thing, as I mentioned before, but I think it's, it'd be really difficult to make this game, like, fair with trading because it's so, like, finely balanced in some ways that you can't just, like, oh, I'll just give you a fish. It's like, are you kidding me? It's probably worth, like, 10 <laughs> yeah, points or something. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you just can't do that, I think. Uh, you, you totally wreck, wreck the game. <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, if I'm taking the cynical commentary on Catan, I might say, well, I don't think the trading in Catan actually works. And so this game cuts that out because it doesn't need a mechanism that doesn't work. Yeah, but other than that, you're totally right. Right? Yeah, you just um, houses produce from hexes next to them, and yeah, what's missing in Catan is I think the resource, the the ships like convert resources to points. But I think effectively cities are that kind of. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You're just converting like a set of resources to more points. So yeah, yeah, it's totally true. Do so, you mention the longest road, the longest wall? Yes. Oh, yeah. There are, you also do put you put walls between, so around the outskirts of the city hexes, you can put walls connecting. Oh, and you can also put gates out, which is something that's different than from Catan. Although, I, is, is there an expansion to Catan that adds something similar to that? Because I know there's uh, something like that for knights. Ticket to Ride. You can put knights on road junctions, and it actually breaks up the road, so it's like a take-that mechanic kind oh, of. Oh, okay. So if, you, if there's an active knight, the road is broken up of an opponent's road is, is broken up in two sections and you might like take over uh, longest road that way okay yeah so basically at, at the end of the game you get points for having the longest uh wall the longest section, wall uh, section and you can you can keep your gates. wall going because you can so you have like the house but then you there can be a gate that goes on top of the house and there can only be one gate on top of the house so again you can block other players but you can there's ways to like extend and so there is kind of a longest road yeah, aspect. But it's, it's totally reminiscent of like the longest road thing which is kind of funny i didn't even think about it yeah i like Rugus. actually it's a pretty short game but it's it's fine and yeah i'm not sure how well some things are balanced about it like there, there's a fish thing that you can score fish and i've never seen it work really i think <laughs> the ships always win but yeah. maybe like if the ships are balanced the sh the fish might I dip the scales or something. I think for fish to work, uh, somebody would have to have not done boats by themselves. Yeah, probably. So I like, n probably never in a two-player game. Maybe in a three or four-player game. But overall, I think it's pretty. Player. It's pretty decent game for the time play. The time the time that it takes, which is very short. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's actually probably around the same time time frame as a game of Catan. Yeah, yeah, probably. Cool. Do you have any honorable mentions? Because I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terra Mystica is actually a great replacement for Catan in so many ways. It might be a replacement yeah. for like most board games, really, in so I many ways. Wish, <laughs> uh, I kind of wish that Terra Mystica were the, like, everybody has played this game yeah kind of game but it, it is also a bit more complicated so but yeah it is definitely not i think your like second game ever unless actually for some people it is like but i don't know uh, most people i wouldn't push them into it right away um i should say that um <laughs> we did play a game which was uh very simple also on the wednesday called my farm shop as you can tell 
It's a very simple game. Um, I think it's probably the simplest of its kind. Um, I did not like it kind of at all because it's even simpler than basically all of them, like Magic Core or something. Uh, it is a roll dice, get resources game, but uh, from what I remember, the card market is very limited. Um, the game length actually is not super short, but uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it just felt kind of like uh, I'd rather play pretty much anything else than it. However, I think for like children or something, I think it might be maybe easier to understand than uh, some of the effects. In, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually true, <laughs> though. Um, but uh, I don't know. It just Even the, the art is just kind of a little bit... Too generic family, too family from my liking is is this a dishonorable mention <laughs> maybe it is a dishonorable mention i i don't know i don't i think the game actually worked but it didn't feel exciting like you didn't feel like you're doing really cool things i mean some card choices were interesting but also i think the from what i remember the activation was limited oh yeah you can like uh kind of they limited how tall your stacks can be which that, that, I don't know if that makes sense. Basically, in Space Base, you can like make this huge stack of, like, on a six, you get all these things. In my farm shop, uh, there's these, like, dots that you can put next to cards, which you can do them multiple times, but you're limited to two, I think. So, basically, the maximum card, card activation you can do is two times. I think it limits artificially the complexity of the game because otherwise the explosions get harder i mean larger and the game gets maybe a little bit more kind of swingy uh so they wanted to keep it under control um i don't know i i don't think it's a bad game i just thought it was just kind of bland for what it is in my opinion oh also you have 16 spaces to store resources for some reason i don't know another like artificial limiter i think to what you can do because i think they're afraid of you like having too large of a turn or something you know what i mean they're just kind of limiting the game artificially um i think it's designed as like kind of a simpler family game and it works it's just kind of meh to me and i should say actually Catan still works after all these years like i say i would not play the base game kind of at all but i would play something like cities and knights and seafarers once in a while with like someone wanted to play it in a group or something i wouldn't be super against it um it is definitely old but it still works after all these years and people are still playing it which is a testament that it's pretty good game i think in general just kind of old and uh i think also with Catan, um the rut that people fall into is like it's the only game they play ever and there's this fear of like trying new games for some reason i don't know why it happens but i think that's um, something that happens with people um also another really quick game that i did not kind of think about but um, i think i saw it on the random generation list which is dice forge uh, dice forge is very not not really an obvious katana replacement but what they did in effect is very interesting because you're like basically gluing cards on the die faces themselves <laughs> i think that's effectively what you're doing because you're repla replacing the die faces with like better better yeah, resource generation i guess that is so, random generation so, so effect yeah effectively you are like taking the the cards from space base and you're like gluing them on the dice 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Obviously, it means that means that you can't stack multiple faces on top of each other. So in that way, it's kind of limiting. But it is random resource generation, yeah. And you just buy stuff with it. There's a little bit more to Dice Forge, so I think it departs from the simplicity of all the games that I talked about, and it's a little bit of a weirder game. But I think it's still pretty solid as a dice generation game. I think it also goes into kind of like deck building concepts. Um, yeah, I actually like Dice Forge. I think it's a cool game. Oh, and I've yeah. also played Lords of Vegas. I guess that's in the random yeah, production. Yeah, I played that one time and i don't remember don't too about much <laughs> about it because i think i tried to forget what it is i don't even want to remember what it is i think i had like an insane take that mechanic and i think it's more dice rolling than generation i don't know if you're generating stuff are you generating stuff i don't remember exactly how it works uh, i think you roll dice uh, and activate yeah. casinos or something i don't know maybe it is random generation i thought it was rolling and then like the ability to buy your way into casinos is determined by dice values, but I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, I didn't enjoy Lords of Vegas. I think it works for some people, but it was just like really infuriating as far as just luck swinginess, and I guess it comes with the theme, but yeah, just kind of no to me. Yeah. Well, uh, Um, just wait until they release uh, your farm shop and his and her farm shop. Yeah, sure. No, I, my farm shop is... I don't think they're going to release anything else after that. <laughs> uh, actually, Iris Gage is in random production. Yeah, I don't know I, how Iris Gage is in random production. I don't remember how that would be random production. I've um, played that game one time. I also played that game one time a long time ago. I did not super appreciate it. Uh, isn't it on cards or something? Maybe you reveal cards. I think <laughs> it's kind of funny, but maybe they're admitting that like people decide, I think, oh. what's, what's produced by placing cubes or something. Yes, you draw dividend cubes. That's, From a bag? Yeah. Yeah. I see. So, yeah, it produces like randomly, maybe according to what's going to say. That's a drawn. shares game. I didn't remember that being random production. Yeah. Anyway, that's a definitely a weird one. I'm not sure if I recommend that as a Catan replacement. But I anyway, would that's, not. <laughs> that's it does actu- have hexes, though. <laughs> that's actually all my. Uh, bleh honorable or honorable and dishonorable mentions so i don't know if you have anything else no i kind of i kind of limited my list to those five and like i said i thought of of uh terra mystica as but i don't know that it's i don't think that's a a katan replacement as i mentioned so you don't roll dice just everything generates yeah and then we we talked about flotilla up front with if you want to play a good game that's kind of more involved and has the uh rolling for resources in it flotilla has that but there's a a (laughs) lot there's a lot more (laughs) i'm laughing because i'm not sure if i'd call it a good game that might be going a little too far (laughs) well it's more Uh, involved (laughs) it is we're very involved it's a very weird economic like supply demand game and i'm still it's very it feels very experimental to me is how how i would describe it um there is random resource generation but there's like a there's just a lot of mechanics in that game. There's like tiling, uh, pick up and deliver. There's deck building. There's go up on tracks. There's like set collection. It's just a little crazy uh, for what it is. I think it actually, I'm not sure actually. We're, we're, we're going to find out if it works over time. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's uh, very interesting. Like it's interesting to play, I would say. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> 
And definitely not a second game. I think it, there's too much going on. People are not going like, to yeah. understand what the maybe, heck is happening. Maybe your third game or your tenth game. <laughs> Probably. Um, I mean, there's different also kinds of people, uh, but some people might tolerate like a good game of any complexity and just fine. Um, some people might refuse to play anything higher than like a card game or something more complex than a card game. If it has so, more than three rules. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, is that it, I think, for yeah. our Catan killers? Yep. That's enough Catan killing for one day, I think. All right. We've successfully killed Catan. Yay. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll call that an episode, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Cards and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, Rabble Rabble Rabble, a comedic look at current events, and Steady Diet of Music, a bi-weekly fix of opinions by musicians. You can get a hold of Cards and Cubes via email, Cards and Cubes podcast at gmail.com or visit our website www.cardsandcubes.com We'd like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. Find more of Kirsten's art on Instagram at catcoffee, that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E We'd also like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme and thank all of you for listening and we will return in a couple of weeks.